Let's go to the word, verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter two, God is in this house. He says, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to profit, to, and I love this word here, to the ruin of the hearer, it's powerful. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. One translation, I like cancer better, but one translation says gangrene. This, this, these people that are doing the harm in the church, it will become like a cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of the sort, if you remember, he spoke about Hymenius in the first letter, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past. And they overthrow the faith of some. But this is the verse that I've not preached. And this is the verse that I've got to preach this morning. Nevertheless. Somebody say nevertheless. Amen. Come on, say it again. Nevertheless. Amen. Nevertheless, the, the solid foundation of God stands. I want to preach just for a few mo moments. The foundation still stands. Stretch your hand this way. Father, in Jesus' name. Help me to articulate this message in such a way that would hide me so deep in the cross that I would not be seen, but only you only. God, that the words of my mouth will be ordained by you, bathed in prayer and fasting. God, full of anointing, that it might go and challenge and pull people out of the fire, as Jude said. God, pull them to the grace of God. Now, Father, use this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, you may be seated. Jesus said, he that hears my words and does them is like a man that built his house on the rock. But he that hears my words and do not obey them is like the man that builds his house on the earth or the sand. And the storm comes. The storm comes on those who build on the rock and those that build on the sand. He said, but when the storm comes, they that build on the rock, that listen and abide by my words, they still stand after the storm. But they that hear my words, they do not do them. The storm comes and the Bible says, great is the fall thereof. In your life, this Christian walk and this Christian faith, there'll be taxed by the enemy. Things that come against you and things that come against your faith, situations, crises, things in life, the cares of life. Some may be sin, some not sin, but they will weigh on you, being a parent, being a church member, losing your job, cancer in your body, whatever the storm may be and comes, if your faith is not built on Jesus Christ, you will fall upon the pressure of this world. But if your faith is built in Jesus Christ, no matter what comes your way, you can stand the test that the enemy or life brings. When you look at 2 Timothy chapter two, that's exactly where Timothy is at. Paul writes to him, not from a house jail like he did in the first letter, 
at that time, Paul had some freedom. But by the second letter, Paul is writing from a dungeon. He is placed in this maritime dungeon and he's writing his last letter to the church. These are his words, his final words, his words of weight that will carry not only Timothy, but propel us as well. He writes to Timothy because he understood two things. First of all, there would be an attack on the outside of the church. This outside storm would come against him and try to persuade him to stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This outside attack would take the lives of some preachers and the lives of some church members and they would be martyrs of the faith. Paul writes to him and you know what Paul told him. He says, son, I know you want to quit, but you cannot quit. Why? Because God's not give you the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. He says, I know who your grandmother is and I know who your mother is. Now square your shoulders back and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the enemy tells you it's not worth it and the enemy tells you it has no power and when the enemy tells you to back down and cower down and stop doing what you're doing what did Paul tell him do like I have done I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ we're living in an hour that is and is now coming where you cannot even mention the name Jesus Christ I say as Paul said to him stand firm church of God stand firm body of Christ and be who God has called us to be and not cower down to political pressure or family pressure or community pressure and declare if it had not been for God on my side I wouldn't be here to stand upon the umbrella of truth that I live in not only would there be an outside attack he said this he said, but there is going to come an attack on the inside of the church. You hear me. I want you to hear me clearly. The inside of the attack is what I'm worried about. I really care less about the outside attack because only thing we have to do is be who we are. But the attacks that come on the inside of the church, they will be the very ones that will destroy the body of Christ. False preachers, false teachers, churches that only come to entertain the body. Where people say, I go to church because they have the best looking preacher. They, their preacher plays golf the best. Their singers look the best. They, they've got the shortest skirts. They've got the best makeup. I like their presentation. You hear me? I'm telling you, the truth of the modern day church is not just in presentation. It is in the gospel that we preach, we stand upon, and we live upon in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm setting you up, just stay with me. So when Paul writes the second letter, he tells him to be like a farmer, be like a good soldier, and be like an athlete who understands the race and the rules before he gets in the race. And then he says this, he says, and concerning those, starting in verse 14, concerning the matter that is perplexing you inside of the church, he says, I've got some things I would warn you about, and then there's one thing you've got to do. And if you do that one thing, you will make it when the storms come against you. First of all, he says in verse 14, this is what I love about this. How many of you know that life and death is in the power of the tongue? Mm. Let, me, let me tell you. I went to Tommy Galloway this morning. Sheila, you need to listen to this. I went to Tommy, Tommy Galloway and I told him a story. It was a true story, but it was only a part, partial half-truth. I went to Dollar General this morning. We needed to pick up a few gifts uh, for the church. We ran out. So I went by to pick up a few gifts. Tommy Galloway was at Dollar General doing nothing wrong, buying a Mountain Dew, I believe it was. I, he likes Mountain Dew in the green bottle, not in the jugs in the mountains. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Listen to me, stay with me. 
And so he gets in his black truck. I was talking to your former pastor on the phone. He was asking me about a need, so we were talking. Tommy, how you doing? Talking to your former pastor. Tommy says, tell him I said he's lazy. I did that, and we went on about his business, just joking. I walk in the Dollar General. Little girl that goes there, and the lady that's working, who I didn't know, is the daughter-in-law of Iona Nichols, who is a shut-in of our church. She says, are you a police officer? I said, no, but I am the chaplain of Westminster Police, uh, police Station, which means, yes, I am. <laughs> Don't play with me, I got the badge and the car. Don't play. So she said, there is a man out there in a black truck. He comes and harasses us, and he comes in every Saturday and Sunday, and he harasses us, and he actually just kissed this young lady. I said, do what? And I said to myself, Sheila Galloway is gonna kill him. You understand what I'm saying? So I, she said, there he is right there. And I looked out the window, it wasn't Tommy. It was somebody else, praise God, praise God. But if I'd only told you a half truth, or if I only went out and said, there is a lady who said there's a man in a black truck who is doing things that are ungodly, and I did not get the rest of the story, and I know nobody in this church would do that, but if I would have came to church and just kind of gave in a prayer request or a Facebook post, the next thing you know, we've got dissension. Now listen, I did that as a joke. It was a true story, but I did that because I know his character, I know hers, and I know the truth, but there's churches all across America because there are certain individuals that do not know how to control their tongue, that unruly member that are destroying the body of Christ. And God has sent me here with a word for somebody. And I'm just using this as the backstory, but I'm telling you, we've got to get a control of our lives and ourselves that we might not be a black eye to the church, but we might be a shining light for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 13 minutes, I've got to set you up for the last 10 minutes. First of all, he says this. He says, you've got to be careful about disputing words. He was saying that there is an element in the church that do not care about the gospel. They only want to argue to make themselves look big. Not here, I'm talking about somebody else. He said they dispute about words. They do not know how to define their thoughts, so they argue over doctrine, proving themselves to be right. He said by doing so, they are tearing down the body of Christ. Timothy, I know you don't feel like it. Timothy, I know you're being pressed upon measure, but I cannot let you as the man of God hide in the back corner. I need you to come out, son, and stand on the word and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have given over the pulpit to babies and philosophers and hirelings and whoever has the most money or whoever has the most influence. Listen to me this morning. We've allowed the gospel of Jesus Christ to be so watered down that it has no power and it has no effect. We are more proud of what we can show in our lights. Nothing wrong with that. We have lights. But we can have every color light we want. But if we have not the power of God, then we have absolutely nothing. Nothing. So he says to them quickly, he says, I want you not to, to argue with them. He says, first of all, I want you to remind them who their enemy is. Listen to me this morning. In verse 14, he said, remind them these things, charging them before the Lord to strive about words to no profit that are what the ruins of the hearer. I want you to write that down if you have to. Because when we, not here, and really, I'm just setting you up with this thought. 
He says when they argue about things that don't matter, they do not destroy themselves. They destroy what? The one that hears. No wonder some people don't want to go to church in Oconee County. Brother Nolan, now just let me preach. Those who don't like me and like the way I preach, they'll leave. And then somebody else will come take their place then. So let me just be me. When we gossip, gossip more than we pray, because we see them not as our child, but somebody else's, shame on us. He says to them, they fight back and forth, and I know it's troubling you, but I want you first to remind them who their enemy is. Your enemy is not in this church. Your enemy is not at the Baptist church. Your enemy is not at the Presbyterian church. Your enemy is not your grandma who sits at your dinner table. Are you listening? Your enemy is not your husband. The enemy that's bothering the church today is the same enemy that's been there from the beginning. Lucifer himself, the God of this world, the God of this world who is, who is against the church. And I've come to remind somebody today, quit arguing and fighting amongst yourselves over things that don't matter. Recently in this very church, there's a group that's not here because they're preaching a funeral right now. Donnie Cobb's brother got saved at the end of his life. Donnie's gonna testify of this in two weeks. You hear me? Donnie Cobb's brother got saved. He lived a life of sin, but God saved him in the end. Donnie Karen's faith for this church. Donnie went to New York. His brother got saved. He went to the local preacher and asked that preacher, will you baptize, baptize me before I die? I'm saved now. That preacher said, I don't know you, so therefore I can't baptize you. That is the stuff that's killing the church. I don't have to know your sin to baptize you. If God saved you, I can baptize you. I told Donnie, I said, Donnie, why do you call me? I'd have flew to New York or I'd have flew one of our ministers. I'd have flew him up there. The church would have, we'd have baptized him. He said, don't worry about it, preacher. He said, I took him out behind that trailer, took him to a creek, and I threw him in a bunch of water, and we watched God do the work in his life. I told him yesterday at breakfast, I said, Donnie, I'll give you permission. He said, preacher, I already did it. I said, no, but I still give you permission. Because see, somebody may challenge me and said, you didn't follow minutes. Listen to me, when your kids one next door step away from hell, sometimes you just gotta obey the word of God and do what's right. And while we're fussing about what color carpet and what color song and what type of this and what type of that, and we're worried about churches that are dying right now because somebody sat in grandma's seat that she purchased with two Confederate dollars 1,000 years ago, while we're fussing about that. Our children are dying and going to hell. And I come to preach. It don't matter this morning. That's not our enemy. The enemy's meth. The enemy's drugs. The enemy's alcohol that's binding our kids. The enemy's the enemy who's putting women and men in their path who are doing things and capturing their minds and capturing their hearts and holding them captive as a snare hook. The enemy is not in the church. The enemy's been what it's always been. And that's why we've got to resist him. That's why we got to preach the word. That's why we got to love our neighbor that we might pull them out of the fire. Secondly, he says this. He says, and I, nah. he says, it's to the ruin of the hearer. That means that it will be a catastrophe. That word ruin means catastrophe. That means that there are churches today who their members of their lives are lives of chaos, not because they're bad people, but because we didn't preach the truth. 
Secondly, he says, quit seeking man's approval. Verse 15, he said, be diligent to present yourself approved of God, a workman that's not ashamed of his hire. The rightly dividing the work of truth. He says, when the enemy comes inside, he says, don't use words, don't fight in arguments, don't fight in the flesh, and then you be diligent to prove yourself. But not to man, but to God. My first years of ministry, I suffered really from a lack of self-esteem and many times still do. You may not believe that, but you don't know me. Many times I'll go to my, my, my bride and say, I, I stunk today, I missed it. And I will struggle mentally for days and she will have to lift me up out of it. And for a long time, I wanted to make sure that you didn't waste your time. There's so many other churches you could go to. So I wanna be prepared and study and full of anointing. That way I don't disappoint you and you receive. But I was wrong in that. Because truthfully, I'm not here to make you happy. I'm here to who? Please God. Paul told Timothy, you're not gonna make them all happy. Some of them are not happy with themselves. Hello? They have every toy in the garage and still not happy. They're like a six-year-old at Christmas and still not happy. They got more girlfriends than Fonzie has back in the 60s and still not happy. Are you listening? They're not happy. Nothing makes them happy. Why? Because they're not happy in God. So if they can't make themselves happy, how can a man or woman of God make them happy? Listen to me. When the world's in chaos, you just please God. Hello? Quit worrying about getting everybody to vote for you or be on your side. Just worry about pleasing God. Somebody say amen. amen. Thirdly, he says, avoid, verse 16, profane and idle bab babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness and their mess message will spread like a cancer. Stand, stand up, April. Stand up. These two only by sitting here. If Lisa was sitting here, I would use her, but she's not. These two here have the reputation of, of just doing this, right? <laughs> Especially this one. <laughs> and I don't know what it is about us, but it's the truth. Mike, if there's a wreck, what do we wanna do? We wanna slow down. Hey, there's a wreck. And then we hit somebody getting a wreck because we're looking at somebody else, right? We want to hear, it's just in our nature sometimes. And Paul tells Timothy, for what God is calling you to do, I need you, the word avoid means to walk around. Well, brother, I, I love them. And I, I'm not listening, I'm really not. I love them and I, and I know my life's upside down and I just want to give them an ear. When's the last time somebody was talking to you about something that you knew they should not be talking to you about and you stopped them and said, listen, I love you and I'm glad you're a part of our church, but this is none of my business. Let me tell you what God says about this matter. Come on. Our brother Nolan, that's me. No, no, it's not. It's a doctor putting a shot to make sure you don't get a disease. Brother Nolan, I don't believe that. He said, if you don't do it, it will spread like cancer. That's what he said. So instead of me going over and getting the juice out of this story, 
Because Anthony's really not taking supplies to PD. Him and Russell, they're at Myrtle Beach right now laying out on the beach. <laughs> Dino's got suntan, and Bo is holding the umbrella so they won't get burnt. <laughs> you can sit down. I, I need to reverse that because Bo would have to, never mind, anyway. <laughs> He says, avoid them like cancer. Why? He says, because they were spread. Then he gave an example. He said, Hymenius has been a thorn to me. Hymenius was mentioned in the first letter. He was somebody that preached against the truth of Christ. He said, the resurrection is already past. And therefore, Paul said, I delivered him over to Satan. But just because Paul delivered him over to Satan does not mean he stopped his work of Satan. He was still a black eye to the church. What I'm trying to tell you, when the world's coming against you and you can't find a stable place, don't give way to gossip. Don't give way to things that don't matter. Don't worry about trying to please other people. And by all means, avoid the things that are gonna cause you trouble in your life. You should have been here Wednesday night when we talked about keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. Avoid them. Paul says to them, avoid these things because these people, they will destroy you. And then lastly, this is where I want to preach for the last 12 minutes. Listen to me. He said, and when you've done all of that, you resist in the world and you position yourself to work for God and be in God. He said the most important thing, listen to me, verse 19. He says, don't panic. When your world is being turned upside down, Timothy, I know all of your family's not saved. Would you listen to me just for a few moments? Teenagers and children, I want you to listen to me. He says, Timothy, I know there's things going on in your life. There's some of you in here this morning, you're bound by certain things. I judge you not. I hold no stone in my hand, but I know there are a few men and women in this church that know how to pray. Right now, your life is like sifting sand because you're not built on the word of God. I judge you not. Some of your marriages in here this morning, some of you young people, your life right now is bound by certain people and certain things. I judge you not this morning. But I tell you to come out, be separate. And I call you out of darkness into marvelous light. Somebody says, I won't come back to this church. The word's too strong. We're gonna preach the word, my friend, in love. I'm not here to whisper your little nursery rhyme in your ear, your little cute sermon to make you feel good. No, you've got the wrong preacher. I'll come and let somebody know when the world's being turned upside down, don't panic. Don't throw in the towel. Hebrews 10 and 35, do not throw it away. There shall come a great recompense of reward for he who is faithful will come and shall not delay. He says to him, stand firm nevertheless. If you've done all you can do, you say, Pastor, I prayed, I live right, I don't gossip, I've done everything you've asked me to do, preacher. I say, nevertheless. Brother Nolan, I've got cancer. Brother Nolan, my daughter is wayward right now. She used to sing in this choir. I say to you, nevertheless, not to judge you, not to, to belittle your story, not to belittle your moment, but I say, nevertheless, there is still one thing that is true, the solid foundation of God remains. I come to encourage somebody. You said, preacher, it took you a long time to get there. No, I had to set it up. 
because I've got to rightly divide the word. When you've done all that you could do to stand, therefore stand. Stand not on your own power. When they look at you and say, I don't know how you make it, don't take the bait. Don't, don't take it. Listen to me. Don't take the bait. One of the greatest errors of my life is when people didn't know the truth. When I was going through a storm and nobody knew the truth, I stood firm on the word of God. But when the truth came out, when I was 21 years old and everybody gave me sympathy, that was a drug to me and I wish to God they would not have done that. You don't need the sympathy of man. You don't need the sympathetic hand of the opposite sex. What you need to do is stand on the foundation that has been laid and know God is still for you. Brother Nolan, I'm going through it right now. I've got sickness. I've got despair. I've got crisis. I've got things going on in my life. Listen, as I close, I call you. I encourage you. I tell you, stand. Nevertheless, stand. Your child's in sin. Nevertheless. Your daughter's in sin. Nevertheless. You've lost your job. Nevertheless. On Christ the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You've come too far to turn around. You've been through too many storms to give up now. The same God that brought you through that is the same God that'll bring you through this. You don't need sympathy, sweetie. Honey bun, you don't need somebody to come tell you how pretty you are. You need to go back to your prayer closet. You need to go back and fast from that table. You need to stand there and say, devil, I had not quit yet and I'm not quitting now. I'm going to trust the hand of God. We have come too far. It is too late in the game to quit church because somebody didn't recognize me. We've come too late now to quit church because my brother doesn't want to serve God. God has been too good to you. God has been too good to me for me to quit on the marvelous hand of God now. Some of you wasn't here, I remind you. David, Psalm 11, David, God's failed you. Why don't you flee like a bird? Why don't you run? David said, no, no, no. I'm going to trust the foundation that I stand on. Since the beginning, the church, and I don't want to get really the theological here, but I can walk you down. Since the beginning of the church, the enemy has always attacked us, trying to get us to be moved from the foundation of Jesus Christ his centrality, and his sufficiency. And I'll tell you today, he's the same. And he still works today, and he'll still set the cat to free if you will let God go to work in your life. Brother Noel, I started tithing, and then my car blew up. Okay. Don't quit God because your car blew up. There might be somebody in this church that got, has an extra car. They might even let you borrow it. You might have to be like dumb and dumber and borrow a moped. I don't care. You said, brother, oh, you're being funny. I'm being real. You're walking 100 degrees of a 1,000 steps at a football game to get a diet coat, but you can't come to church because you ain't got enough tissue, because you got a, a tear in your eye, because it dropped to 88 degrees and falls down among us. Somebody's got to tell me that. It feels like it's the middle of July outside. Quit quitting on God. Amen. Quit quitting on God. This church is a great church, ready for the master's use. Read the next few verses. 
I know you had a hard season. I know you're in a hard season right now. I'm not judging you. But as your pastor, I've come to grab your hand that's tired. And I've come to hold it up like Moses. And I've come to tell you, if God be for you, who can be against you? Oh, I come to tell you, you're not alone. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. I've come to tell you, your old drinking buddies and your old people that's got the latest new drugs called you up and told you that you wouldn't have to worry about it. Come try this, come try her, come do that. And I tell you, the devil is a lie. Come back to the rock that will not fail you. Plant yourself there. Joshua said, you choose this day, but for me and my house, we are gonna serve the Lord. He says, don't panic, don't panic. He says, well, you've done all you can do. He says, the foundation of God still stands. Hallelujah, stand with me all over the house. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I'm not going to beg you. I'm just being pressed a moment. Just, just work with me. My mind's back at youth camp when God put something in my spirit that I should have said and I didn't say. Only for later did it come out and the truth to come out and I felt like I should have went ahead of a situation so my mind's there for a moment. Because I feel like God's trying to get ahead for somebody to let you know. And let me be very bold here. For some people in this house, it's not over. There's going to be some dark days ahead. Listen to me. Your situation's not over. The dark clouds that's in your life, they're not leaving today just because we pray. This is not for everybody. But there's a family or a person in this house. I'm telling you, it's not over. But you hear me. You hear what I'm about to tell you. It will leave. It will leave. You just remain true because the foundation still stands. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Brother Nolan, I'm at my breaking point. That's all right. That's what I'm here for. More importantly, that's what the Holy Ghost is here for. Pastor Nolan, I can't take any more. It's okay. I, I'm not mad at you. Let's work this out together. You get me in a back, back hall and tell me how you feel like God's let you down, the church has let you down. We get back there when everybody leaves, you can scream and cry. That's okay. I'll stay there with you till you're done. But when you're done, I'm gonna tell you what I'm telling you now. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God still stands. The solid foundation of God still stands. Devil, you can't uproot it. Devil, you can't tear it down. It's going to remain intact. Why? Because it's built on Jesus Christ and nothing less. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please, for a moment. I preach with an unusual passion this morning because I am passionately about the word that the Holy Ghost gave me for somebody. You're perplexed and weighed heavy. You're perplexed and weighed heavy right now. On the count of three, I want you to come. Whoever you've got to grab, whoever is in your circle, whoever you feel like, Pastor, I need them. That's fine. If it's a husband and wife, if it's, if it's a young person, so be it. If you're lost, step out. You're not even in the race yet. One, 
worry about the time. Don't worry about who's here. Your life is weighing in the balance. Two, God will do it. He'll give you what you need to make it. Three, would you step out right now? Come quick, every head bow and every eye closed. Pastor, I needed to hear that. I'm gonna stand, I'm gonna stand. Anybody in this house? Anybody, come, come quickly. Come on, that's all right, young man, come on. Come on. Anyone else? Pastor, I wanna rededicate my life. I wanna stand on the word of God. We have a young man down here, we have two, my goodness. Can I have some men, some of our leadership, please? Hallelujah. There's others that should be at this altar. Hallelujah. Church, can I get your attention just for a second? Without embarrassment. If you would know the stories some of the young people that are at this altar this morning. We would not stop praying God plant them on the firm foundation. The stories of some of these young people that are our church family come through every unusual circumstance. If you knew their story, you would be worshiping right now. Can we give God the biggest hand? There's others. While they start singing and while they're praying, would you stretch your hand? I want to invite other Christians. Would you come help us this morning? We have three young people, college and career student. They need us this morning. Would you come? I want you to get out of your seat and help me this morning, please.